0: Welcome everybody. It's time for Hollywood Godfather Podcast again. And I'm here with my compadre, co-writer, Pat Picciarelli. Good evening, Pat. Doing great. And we have our young genius, Millennium. No, you're the older genius. (laughs) You're the old genius, she's the young. The young genius, Megan Horan, please.
1: Oh, well, thank you. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing How are you doing? doing amazing amazing doing
2: very okay, well thank you very much for tuning in that's the end of the show <laughs> <laughs> there you go
0: okay what's our topic tonight
1: all right so our topic tonight is something that was brought up in a mailbag question from somebody named greg in episode 110 and turns out pat knows a lot about him so pat you want to
2: take it away Well, uh, Megan is referring to uh, Vincent Cianci, was known as Buddy Cianci, who was the mayor of Providence, uh, Rhode Island, not once, but twice. And he didn't lose the job once. He lost it twice. And he is, uh, or was, he passed away in 2016, I believe, or 2014. Uh, Anyway, he was quite the character. He was what I would term as the last of the old-time politicians. This guy made no secret of the fact that he was friendly with everybody as uh a uh an assistant uh u.s attorney uh he was young he was in his 20s he was the second chair uh prosecuting uh patriarca who was the head of the uh area crime family in fact the, the whole head of the uh, uh new England uh crime syndicate if i'm not mistaken, correct, Johnny?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I knew Raymond well.
2: Anyway, oh, sorry. Uh, he, uh, uh patriarch, uh, uh, beat the case, and Sianci uh, decided to run the mayor on a law and order ticket. And after you hear this guy's uh, whole story, you wonder how he got away with that. But he was... Uh, he didn't like the fact that the Godfather, you heard of the Godfather, Gianni, right? Yeah, I think so,
0: yeah. I, I know Carlo personally.
2: It's come yeah. up once or twice, at least. <laughs> he was uh, angry that uh, the, the Godfather painted Italians in a in a poor way. And uh, Him and he
0: Joe Colombo.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, just him. Anyway, but he was going to see to it that uh, the uh, Italians were given their just due as uh, patriotic upstanding and productive citizens. And he didn't win an overwhelming uh, uh, majority of the vote. He won by 700 votes. Wow! And he, and he got in on that ticket for the fact that he prosecuted patriarchy. The Italians in uh, in the Providence, there's a large Italian community like that, that uh, these bad guys, quote unquote, uh, at least somebody was was going after them.
0: He now, went after Raymond?
2: Yeah, he prosecuted him. Wow.
0: I never knew yeah, that.
2: Well, he, he was the second chair. He, he was the assistant uh to the to the prosecutor. But he was in court, you know.
0: What year not, did that happen? Uh
2: 19 1972. 1972.
0: It's it's yeah. funny, you know why? Because in 1970 I got married in Providence, Rhode Island.
2: (laughs) And then they ran you out of town, right?
0: No, No. they never ran me out of town. I'm still there. I'm not one of those other people. But why I'm saying that, I had a wedding at the Biltmore Hotel in 1970. And I married a girl that I met at Caesars Palace on July 17th in Las Vegas, Nevada. And on August 17th, I married her. I just came back from a, a trip that I had to take for a lot of reasons, and I met this wonderful girl. And uh, she met Sinatra, met Cecchiglian, and I said, "This is the girl I'm going to marry." She's 19 years old. She was, and she happened to be there with her parents, who what, they were waiting to meet Sinatra, who I just happened to know. <laughs> So after four or five days of a romance at Caesars Palace, never kissed a girl, old school, always with the parents, I got the mother on the side and I said, I want to marry your daughter. And so oh, that's great. They were so enamored that I knew Sinatra and Dean Martin and all that. I said, unbeknownst to your daughter, here's 15000 if you need any more money, plan a wedding. She said, you're kidding me. I said, no, yeah, I want you to do it. So she went, they're planning the wedding. Weeks go by, we had like eight weeks to, to the day. So she called me and she said, where would you like the wedding? I said, the Biltmore Hotel. So you know the area? I said, yeah, I know pretty well. I said, uh, she said, you're gonna get married in a church? I said, yeah, St. Mary's. She said, you know the, the, the church on Belmont? I said, yeah.
2: This she, is in Providence.
0: This is in Providence, Rhode Island.
2: Okay.
0: The church is actually in East Providence, Island. Right? So now, she said, how many people should we have? I said, well, how many people do you have? She said, well, I have at least 100, 120. That's great. She said, how many are you going to have? I said, I'll have 20. She said, only 20? I said, yeah. I said, just 20 people. So make it for 150 people. So everybody up on that hill including Buddy, <laughs> including Raymond, Ray Wax, you name every guy up there, they all knew me as the kid all these years. So I wasn't about to tell him I was coming up there. So I had the Monsignor from St. Mary's get in touch with Raymond because he, I mean, Raymond was very generous to the church. And he said, the kid is coming. And hold Saturday night, August 17th at the Belmont, He's gonna get married, and he wants you to, you know, bring 20 of our good friends. He's Okay, I know what he means. So now that's all they know. So now Cheryl's father is coming on like he's a heavy guy. You know, I know everybody on the hill, and this and I said, really? Oh, God, God, God. He said, In effect, when are you coming up? I said, I'm gonna come up the night before. He said, Oh, you should come up earlier. I said the night before. He said, oh, I'll, take you, I'll take you to the old canteen. I said, really? What is that, a bar? He said, oh, no, it's a very elegant restaurant. I knew that. I was in it a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted this guy to play this game. And I didn't know him. I figured he was a buffoon anyway. But anyway, so now I land there. And about a week before, she says to me, the, the, the Monsignor needs to know who your best man is who's standing up for you. I said, you have a son, don't you?" She says, yeah. I said, what's his name? She said, Stevie. I said, Stevie's my best man. And now, and now they're wondering, like, what who, the, is this guy? who is this guy? Not that she cared, because as long as I knew Sinatra, I could have been a killer. <laughs> I mean, that's how crazy this was. So now, Friday night comes, and we, you know, we have the rehearsal dinner and all of that for the family. And he said, come on, I'm going to take you to the old cantina now. Everybody's waiting for you. So great. So I walk in. They don't know me as Johnny Russo. This is before the Godfather. They know me as the kid. So he walks in, all puffed up, like he's you know bringing somebody famous to them. But he didn't know either where they were. <laughs> he was. I walk in. Raymond gets up for nobody. Raymond sits at the end of the dining room in the old cantina, and they come to him. Like he's the Lord and Master, which he was because he was the boss of all New England at that time and was, a, was a, a a a facet of the Gambino family. So I met him when I was 15, 16, 17, all the way up to getting married to this girl. So he gets up, comes over to me, hugs and kisses me. Well, this guy almost about fainted because he's telling me how big he is with these people. He was nobody. He was a bookmaker <laughs> and a half ass Shylock. So now everybody's coming. And just, oh, great, man. What? And Raymond said, we're looking forward to the wedding tomorrow. Well, this guy almost fell down. He said, they come to the wedding? I said, yeah, I told your wife to have 20 seats for me. He said, oh, we got him. We got him. It's your family table. I said, well, this is my family.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic.
0: It was a classic. And, and Buddy and everybody at that time, that's why I wanted to know when he prosecuted him because it had to be after my wedding because he was all over these guys. Three so, years
2: later. Yeah, how long? But, but, but that was Buddy Cianci. Everybody liked him. You you could you could prosecute him, and you were still his friend.
0: That's funny. I mean,
2: wow. This guy was an all-time politician. He would literally go everywhere. If you had a a a, a, a store opening, he'd go there. A bar for your kid, birthday for your mother, he'd be there. It was said, and I'm quoting this out of some of the material I read. Buddy Cianci would uh, attend the opening of an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy was all over the place. And even though he tried to send Ray great uh, to jail, Raymond still liked him.
0: Well, he, had, not, he, he had to if he was alive. If he died well, of natural he, causes, he had to.
2: <laughs> well, he, you know, he was a back-slapping kind of guy. Anyway, he runs for mayor uh, as a Republican in 1974. And he just squeaks by. He wins by 700 votes. He, he, he runs on the the uh, uh, law and order ticket. He's going to get rid of the mob. That's, that's, that's the ticket he's running under.
0: Wow.
2: Oh. He didn't mean a word of it. He, he had the reputation a couple of years before that, that he prosecuted the boss of the uh, entire family. That was his ticket to get into uh, the mayor's office. And so he was going to ride on that uh, when when he was in office. As soon as he gets in office... Of course, he's he's not going to go after the mob anymore. He's But he did a good job, I and mean, he built uh, Providence up. I, I know very little about the Providence, except what I read. I was never there. But it was uh, – uh, they were hurting financially. And then Buddy becomes the mayor, and things start to turn around. He's getting businesses coming in there. He, he The guy improves everything. Everything is going just fine. Then he finds out that his ex-wife – and with an emphasis on the ex, his ex-wife is seeing some guy, and Buddy, Mayor Buddy, takes exception to this, has the guy kidnapped and tortured. Wow. Yeah, that's what the jury said. Sentenced him to to prison uh, as a felon. Now he's a convicted felon, and he's out of office. But does that stop him? Hell no. He comes out of prison, now uh, the Re- Republican Party doesn't want him, so he decides to run as an independent for mayor again. And he wins. Wow. So he it twice. Buddy Cianci holds the record in the, the United States as the longest reigning mayor of any major city in the United States ever. 21 years total.
0: Wow. That's So he's amazing. in
2: office the second time and now he's getting a little outwardly friendly with the uh, you know, with the Patriarcha and all those guys. Well, he always yeah. was. Well, I mean, but now it's in the open. He's not hiding anything. Uh, he just feels full of himself. And everybody loves the guy. I mean, he, he, he gets out of jail on a kidnapping, torture rap. And they still vote the guy in. So he knew that he couldn't lose. Anything he can do is okay.
0: How many years did he do for that? Just I of think he did, he did
2: three. Three
0: years. for kidnapping and torturing? Jesus.
2: But his buddy, Cianci. <laughs> you know, but, but
0: that's a federal yeah, rap right. kidnapping, in my understanding of the of the well, law. Well, it's
2: also it, it's also a state rap,
0: and, Oh, and really?
2: he serves state time. Oh, okay. If you kidnap somebody and take them across state lines, that's federal. He took he took the guy from his house to some warehouse in in Providence, and he tortured the guy. So it wasn't federal; it was a violation of state. So time.
0: he he did that himself, the to torture and everything.
2: Yeah. Well, he had somebody do it, but he was there.
0: I was going to say, yeah. Because anyway, I, he doesn't seem like a violent guy. He's just a...
2: He's not. He watches. He watches and he gives orders. He was a happy-go-lucky guy.
0: Yeah, I knew. I was going to just about to say that.
2: Uh, so he gets arrested again uh, while he's in office the second time for... Uh, I forget what it was. I'm trying to look. I, I, made, uh, I made lots of notes. Oh, he was indicted and... In, uh, 2001, on federal charges of racketeering, conspiracy, extortion, witness tampering, and mail fraud.
0: 2001, 30 years later? Yeah. That's, I mean, I hope our audience is counting. This guy, we, at my wedding, it was 1970.
2: Yeah, he gets forced out of office again because he's a twice-convicted felon. He, he does prison time. I don't, know, I don't know what he did, but he did time. Uh. He gets out, and now nobody wants him back in office. and He's an embarrassment. So, in the era before podcasts, he he has his own radio show.
0: I was on it. Oh, you are. <laughs> That's what I'm telling. This this well, tell us about that. this keeps going on and on and on, because.
1: Johnny, well, if I before you get into that story, is it okay if we take a quick commercial break? Oh, and please, then we get into it? please.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm very proud for this commercial break because. I'm wearing one of the new Locosa Mia shirts tonight, which Locosa Mia by Gianni will be in stores shortly. You'll be able to go online and hear more about it on the program. And so we'll be right back with that commercial. Thank you. Today's show is being sponsored by Owned Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. owned Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of The Godfather Films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco extra virgin olive oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's Corleone by an Italian.com. Okay, we're back. No, so i become very good friends with Buddy because I'm going up there to see her side of the family. I now have a baby girl called Gia, and uh, her family was the DeRobios on the mother's side. And one of the brothers was a sitting judge, and they also owned Khaleesi's Bakery up on Federal Hill. So I, now I have a, another extended family up there. Plus, I love Raymond. And Raymond and I were, and Raymond, which is an interesting story. Frank Costello, we all spoke of him many times. He, he financed the guy that um, his, fa- his family, were, I mean, philanthropists. But uh, he, he didn't do too well. So he wanted to do something on his own. He opened what was called the National Enquirer newspaper. And Costello backed it. And with that said, Beanie had the newspaper. I said to Costello, because I got friends with Raymond, most people don't realize Rhode Island is known for costume jewelry. They have cylindrical injection molding. I just found out it because, like you pointed out, they wanted to m- open more businesses. I got involved with some cash, and I opened. what you went in the. You well, as I say it now, you're going to remember it. Were well, old enough. I was. I I cast every army, navy, any military branch. I get, had a ring for you. For 1995, on the back page, of the National Enquirer. <laughs> Then I had high school (laughs) rings and I did that all with Raymond up on Federal Hill on Atwell's Avenue. Don't ask me how I know the address yet. (laughs) But it was so hysterical because, I came up there and I just wanted to do the right thing with my family, our family actually. So I opened these businesses for them. And the business that Buddy really got glorified for. He he brought a major knife company up there, that employed like two thousand people. That was while he was a mayor, like you pointed out.
2: He was all over the place, and uh, you asked me before the break, before I forget, he had five years federal time for the second charge. Oh, okay. And that, and and it's you can't be a convicted. You get a load of this. You can't be a convicted felon and serve in public office. Do you know who pushed that law through? Him. Him, Buddy Sianz, he pushed through <laughs> I the that. He's such during, a his first, <laughs> during his first time in office, he pushes that law through and he, he, he in essence fired himself.
0: That is funny. I mean, what a this but he, I mean, a character and a half. But he showed up all over. I mean, he, he used to come to Vegas a lot because, you know, he'd call. And like you said, he was a fun guy to have around. I mean, he a bundle of laughs. Everybody knew him. He, you know what he reminded me of? I don't know. If, I don't know how well you know him, Pat, but he reminded me of Jackie Gleason.
2: Oh, Jackie Gleason! My father was a tight.
0: He had that kind of. You know, well, you know. I knew you know him oh, I knew him, because well, he, yeah. he he had that great personality. Everybody loved him. He was like you, one of your great fat uncles, and and, and Buddy had <laughs> had that kind of personality. You couldn't get mad at him.
1: Do you remember when <laughs> you two first met? Was that? Do you remember when you two first met, you and Buddy?
0: Oh, I met him at the old cantina. I used to go up to see Raymond, and that's where they hung. Ray Wax was there, major guys were. All, I mean, New, Raymond ran all in New England, not just Providence, Rhode Island. Providence, Rhode Island is a small town. But he ran New England. I mean, you're talking about Boston. You're talking about all of that. He had a big, ter- a big territory. In fact, Raymond probably was credited for, the Mafio brothers, I don't know if Pat remembers that, one of the uh, most vicious crimes during a, a, uh, a mob war, these two brothers thought they were going to get rid of Raymond up on the hill, and Raymond just kept quiet, and they kept bad-mouthing them and doing this, that, and the other. During the night, on a late Saturday night, they got drunk, these two brothers together. I mean, they were powerful guys. And they had their own crew. Well, on a Sunday, like in Sicily, this is an old Sicilian, most disgraziato morta, it's called. For the people who don't speak Sicilian, it's the most s- disgraced death in the family. Disgraziado de morta. They dragged these two brothers at dawn on Sunday morning by chains around their ankles through the streets by cars until they bled out and died. And then they dropped them in front of their family's house, their mother and father's house, to let the family know that they, they that's the most, I, mean, I don't know, if I know how many people even know that in this country, but that's the most, of the other mort that means you disgraced your family, not just your flesh and blood family, but his family, meaning he was supposed to be around the patriarchus. But I couldn't believe that. I mean.
2: And they was sending a message.
0: Oh, that major message. Major oh, message. Yeah. Major message. They had to sit there. So the, the mothers couldn't remove the body. They couldn't move the guys for a couple hours. They wanted the people, and why they did it on Sunday morning, which is really a sacrilege. But I I mean, I love the the Sicilians the way they think, because they wanted everybody to see them on their way way to church. (laughs) Is that wild?
2: I guess you have to appreciate the dark humor of that.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, because you know, and and, uh, even in Sicily, everybody got up and went to church. And by midnight, by, by noon, you got midnight, I mean, uh, noon mass, high mass, then you could take their bodies away. But they had to sit there for three or four hours. They were dead. They didn't care about sitting there. But I mean, right, right in, at the door of their family's house. Well, you know the Mafia brothers. You should look up that crime.
2: As you said at the start of the show, even though Buddy Cianci prosecuted Raymond Patriarca. They became friends, and when what you said was was so true, course, Buddy got a natural death, you knew they were friends.
0: Oh, I th- I think he went to, uh, knowing Raymond, how he works things, even with the police department, you know, he would give up certain guys because they had to make their quota. But he had named guys, okay, uh, be on this corner tomorrow. You're going to be arrested. you can do a year. And that was part of the ritual. You knew that even in New York, Pat. They had to get,
2: the, That was part of the, the the operating system.
0: Yeah, I mean, they had to give the police so many arrests, the, advice, arrest, the vice and bookmakers. You making.
2: were advice, You had to lock up bookmakers, so their bosses would uh, would give them up. Exactly as you say, it's your turn to get locked up and go to jail. And they don't do much time. They do six months. Yeah, they
0: get a year, six months eight months. But what, why they did it? Even they got bumped up in their rank, and their wives or family, got the same amount of money as if he was on the street, delivered yeah, to them. And they were taken care of. They And then
2: the, fol- the following year, it would be somebody else's turn.
0: Exactly. Or sometimes four or five guys. Like in New York, 10 guys would go a year because there's a bigger book.
2: Well, with the NYPD, uh, I, I can't speak of the way it is now, but I know the way it used to be. They used to uh, do a lot of gambling arrests around. Super Bowl. Super-
0: Oh, and that was that, it. Was it. Yeah. The
2: rest of the year <laughs> they didn't. You know, you never heard anything. But at Super Bowl, you would see this parade of of guys coming out of a, a, a precinct on a on a daisy chain.
0: Right. And they always
2: said the same thing. This operation was making three hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, right. You know. Anyway, they they go they get their fifty dollar fines and they would be on the street the next day.
0: Yeah, it was but great. Could, it was great for the district at the attorney's press. office and everybody else.
2: Yeah, but the police, got, you know, got the press. Yeah. And. They, Because uh, there's so many arrests being made prior to Super Bowl Sunday, nobody's going to be able to place a bet. And I'm thinking, who are they? I mean, what kind of an audience are they playing to here? (laughs) Who can possibly believe that?
0: That was the biggest day. I mean, yesterday, I was talking to some friends of mine. Not that I know bookmakers, but the, the phone did not stop ringing last night because everybody was betting that little punk kid. I, I, I don't even like talking about him. Such an arrogant 24-year-old kid. I watched, I watched uh, Tony Romo do the interview with him first and boasting he's the greatest quarterback in the world. I've never scored under double digits. I never got beat by double digits. I never did this. I never did that. And here comes Tom Brady. <laughs> Not only that, at the end they sacked him. He's never been sacked. He was sacked six times in the last quarter. I mean, they abused this guy to death. I, I doubt if he'll ever brag about anything anymore.
2: <laughs> That's what he gets for having a big mouth.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. But the book in, in the, around the world made the biggest score ever, ever. Everybody was betting the Chiefs, everybody, because of this kid, because it was a repeat. It would be the first time, and he was the youngest quarterback to go to the Super Bowl last year. Now to get a repeat, he'd break all records. And I just sat there gloating, because I love Tom Brady, I love his wife. We used to go to Nellos, I used to meet him at least once a month in New York. They had an apartment right off of Madison Avenue. Now he sold everything here, because now they live in Florida. But I I couldn't have been happier at the end of the day watching this guy get beat up. Because of his mouth, that's all. What an arrogant kid.
2: Okay, we're on the subject of arrogance, uh, this is a nice segue. Buddy Cianci gets out of prison in 2007, and he decides he's going to be the, the head of sales and marketing for the uh, – it was the XV Beacon. It was a luxury hotel in Boston. I wonder who got him that job.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I knew the guy who, who – I did. I can't even mention his name. He's out.
2: But no, he, I think, he, he runs I think Boston they, now. I think they want, they wanted to keep him out of Providence, but he basically – Uh, said in, well, not the way I'm going to say it, but he basically said, no, I think I'd like to go back to Providence He (laughs) for like six months and went back to Providence and started his own radio show on, uh, WPRO, if you know the station in Providence.
0: No, I don't know. But I mean, I was on it. I was on the show actually twice. He had a good little show. I mean, everybody loved the guy. You remember what she, what the what the topic was when you talked it was basically everything we, no we don't know what it was we but because that's why I was shocked that you said he was trying to boycott the Godfather
2: yeah
0: I went on after the Godfather and all he was praising the movie how it well, glorified how it glorified the Italians and people really got to respect us and know why we did what we did he it changed what's us. it's, for, it's yeah.
2: what's good for Buddy in 1972. That was the thing to do slam the godfather <laughs> which made even more people go see the movie you yeah. know but uh whatever was good for him at the time that's what he did right. so he has his radio station uh, this radio show and he does well because uh, as you said everybody loves buddy right. so in 2014 he decides to run again and uh he got sick he got 2014
0: sick and- he ran he thought he would run again for, for mayor
2: yep and he would have won. Uh, the election was November of 2014. He was diagnosed in May. Oh, so he didn't even have a chance to run, uh, you know, officially. But right. he did throw his hat in the ring. He was running. And then he, he, he got diagnosed with cancer, and that was the end. He died in uh, – he, he died two years later, a little less than two years later, uh, January 2016.
0: He was 74. Wow. But the interesting thing – I'm totally naive to politics. How many times can you run for mayor? Well, if there's no term limits, as many times as you want. Oh, each term each state has its own term limits?
2: Each state each, each, depends on what office you're running for.
0: Mayor, like, let's say. Okay.
2: Uh, uh, when uh, uh, Mayor Giuliani wanted to run for a third term after September 11th, he was, the country's mayor. I mean, he could do no wrong, this guy. He figured, I'm going to overturn the, 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 the term limit law. I want to run a third time. He couldn't do it.
0: I know. The only guy yeah. that did was Bloomberg. He did it.
2: Right. Now, how the hell did he do it? But he did it. Money. know. So, yeah, money. Well, I'll tell you get... right now.
0: Everybody, everybody other than New Yorkers, like Giuliani. <laughs> New Yorkers didn't like him. I
2: don't, I,
0: Especially I don't the so, Italians.
2: I don't know so much anymore. The guy sounds a little unhinged at times.
0: You oh, know? now he's definitely unhinged.
2: Uh, but uh, He lives on
0: my block now in a little apartment. His wife took, this last wife, he's broke. Broke. And the mm-hmm. funniest thing is, as we all know now because of the news, Trump refused to pay him his, his, his bill for $139,000. Yeah, $139, <laughs> well,
2: not to say anything, but I worked for Trump and he didn't pay me either.
0: He don't pay many people. I mean, He doesn't
2: I, pay I, any people.
0: Is <laughs> sub, sub, some subcontractors went broke he still family.
2: owes the uh the uh italian and polish artisans who we brought over here from western europe to build his apartment in trump tower he still hasn't paid them and there's been uh, a civil suit since 1988 there's only one living now out of oh that class God. action suit and he's still waiting for some kind of justice now he owed, trump owed me thousands but i eventually got paid but uh it, it wasn't easy. I, I was told uh, after I, I, I did the work, I was a private investigator. I, I did work in that area for him. Uh, Mr. Trump doesn't pay anybody. This is one of his oh, commercial yeah. of employees.
0: Of course. I said, why didn't you tell me this before I took the case? It's a privilege <laughs> to work for him, he says. It's good for, good for your resume.
2: That's what he said. Wow.
0: Yeah. I I was, Megan, probably, I, 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 we haven't heard from you. Are, we, are you in total shock? hearing this kind of things. I oh, I like to hear, because you represent the young audience of our world and family. So mm-hmm. what, what are you thinking when you're hearing these things of so much injustice and the guy keeps running for May, he keeps doing things like he has it's a interesting license. That,
1: it's, it's interesting that it can be a thing at all that you know felons can run for any sort of office. That's interesting in and of itself. Um but the fact that he was also, you know, very mob connected. I know that happens with a ton of politicians, so that's not really surprising. Yeah, but, but I'm I'm like you are. The felon I'm, part definitely is.
0: I didn't know you can go to jail and then run for a public office. Because I, I, right. I and then
2: multiple times, even after multiple convictions. Yeah, I
0: mean that's insane. Well, I don't
2: know how that was gonna work because he had the law passed where a convicted felon could not run for the mayor of Providence. He got himself kicked out of office uh, the second term. He passed that law during his first term thinking, I'm not going to jail. Well, he went to jail twice. But uh, I don't know how he was, was going to run as an independent in 2014. But that still bars you from the office.
0: But I, I, think, yeah, gonna, I probably but just he, did that for ego. He probably knew he was sick. He wasn't going to run. Probably,
2: yeah, I, I think so, too. He, he much it for
0: publicity. No one He bodies.
2: announced uh, prior to his diagnosis, not long before his diagnosis. So he probably knew you know, right he was that old when he passed away he was 74 74 no man but if you don't feel good you don't feel good you know hello yeah yeah we well, uh for his funeral
0: oh let me hear this one.
2: one thousands of people viewed his open casket he lay in state for two days in the providence city hall the first mayor to be honored uh since 1886 even dead, he has something to say about where he was going to be laid out. <laughs> but I, I love that he keeps getting these accolades. I tell you, uh, you got to love this guy. I, I don't care what you thought of his politics or his, or his morals or anything else. This guy was unstoppable.
0: I mean, it's a great drive.
2: When, when people say, I don't care what anybody thinks of me, they're usually lying, but not him. He wasn't lying. He didn't care anything about what anybody thought of him. He was going to be buddy.
0: And that was it. That as well. How yeah. are we doing with commercials, my love?
2: We could take another break.
1: Do you guys still have some more? Or we can wrap it up at any time.
2: Look, oh. poor Buddy's dead. What are we going to
0: do? Oh, oh if Buddy's we, done? If Buddy's, yeah, buddy's gone, dead. Who <laughs> Morton? Rest in peace, Buddy.
2: Knowing Buddy, he'll probably come back.
0: He's probably mayor up in heaven.
2: And run again. Could <laughs> <laughs> be. Yes.
1: We'll, we'll, well, then why don't we take a break and then get into the mailbag? How does that sound? I
0: would love Let's it. do that. All right, perfect. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. I don't go anywhere. Hi, Patrick Picciarelli here. Before
2: we get to our listeners' emails, a quick word about the new fiction book series I've launched. Private investigator Ray Yale tackles his first two cases in Bloodshot Eyes and The Pop Line. Both books are in paperback and are available on Amazon.com. I've been a P.I. for 30 years, and these books are based on my cases. Enjoy.
0: All right, we're back. One All of the right. gr- great Let's features of it. our show, the mailbag. Yes, everybody's safe in
1: court. Okay, first we have a message from Randy. Randy says hello everyone I received several books as Christmas gifts from my wife and Hollywood Godfather was the first I dove into as I'm a truck driver and have enjoyed passing the time on the road with the podcast my question is wait for wait, a truck. wait 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 wait, wait. Live... excuse
0: me oh, oh you're a truck driver and you read say? a book while you're driving
1: <laughs> no he's listening to the podcast he's oh listening a fan. oh okay yes. yeah, I heard a fan I heard
0: book books. I heard book oh he truck drives. driver podcast now he's okay
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I hope while not driving. That would be bad. All right. He says, "My question is for Gianni. I live in the Milwaukee area and was wondering if he had ever met or had any dealings with Frank Ballastieri,
0: Ballastieri brothers. Are you kidding me?
1: Or his sons?
0: They not, They they ran the Fista Hotel." And Mary, Mary was his mister. I could tell you more about Frankie B. And his brother and his son. Beautiful family. I actually performed for them in a room called the Crown Room at the Fista Hotel. So Randy, and guess what? It's still there. How
2: do you remember all this stuff?
0: I don't remember. I don't even ask me. That was like in 1976. I mean, the Balasteries were very connected to Chicago, obviously. No, I mean, that. thank you, Randy, for shaking my memory on that guy. He was, they were great. And they, you probably know Mary's. I don't think it's still there. It was right next to the the Fista Hotel. It was a fabulous Italian restaurant owned by Mary.
1: Wow. <laughs> what,
2: what the thought?
0: Original name. <laughs> yeah. But she was Frankie B's mistress for years.
2: Boy, he, he got more of an answer to that question than he probably... What he was going to get. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Possibly.
1: Mm. All right. Next is from Amanda from Canada. Amanda says, Gianni, Patrick, and Megan, I absolutely love the show. My husband thinks I'm nuts about mob history. Our last trip to Vegas, I dragged him to the mob museum. Bless his soul. He followed me around the place and faked his excitement seeing Al Capone's revolver just for me. My question to you, Gianni, is: Did you ever meet Carlo Gambino? If so, what was he like? Keep up the great podcast, you guys. Loving it from Canada.
0: I guess she doesn't really listen to the show a lot.
1: <laughs> she might not have been. She might not have been caught up by now.
0: Uh, Carlo Gambino was a, a, a great friend of my family's. I met him because of that, and uh, used to see him a lot down on Mulberry Street before I went. Into the hospital, and then I had a period where I didn't see him for five years, and then after that, I got even closer to him. What a gentleman! What a and died of natural causes. All my really smart mob friends die of natural causes. It's the idiots that go out there and oh, there and, and, there and, grandstand, wow. and grandstand and grandstand. <laughs> next, right, right? on to
1: the next. Next is from Daniel. Daniel says, just heard an interview with the author of a Joey Bishop biography. Joey Bishop claimed he saw Frank Costello stab someone in the hand with a knife in a nightclub. You knew Mr. Costello. Does that story sound feasible?
0: He not only did that, he did it in front of me. The guy wouldn't shut up. (laughs) He wouldn't shut up. No, but it's so funny. And he said, would you keep your mouth quiet, please? He's. I'm not going to give you something to scream about. He stuck a knife right through his hand, <laughs> nailed his hand to the wow. table, right to the table. I can't believe it.
2: <laughs> Bet you he wasn't shutting up then.
0: No, and guess what he did though. Very calmly, the guy was screaming. Right, somebody <laughs> put a napkin over his face, over his mouth, and he says, "Give me an edit table, please." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the good old days. Joey Bishop, and guess where Joey Bishop was working. How do I remember this stuff? Joey Bishop was the sidekick for Johnny Carson, remember? Before Ed McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, he was around the neighborhood at that time. That's where, I don't even want to mention Colbert's name, but I have to. That theater has changed more names. It was, um, yeah, Sullivan
2: Theater.
0: But before that, your friend Jackie Gleason.
2: Yeah, you're right. That's what he did the show.
0: Hello. Then it became the uh, Ed Sullivan. Then after Ed Sullivan left, then it, be, it was Johnny Carson before he moved west. Then it David became. Man. Then it became. um
2: David Letterman.
0: David Letterman for a lot of years, and now it's this Colbert idiot. It looks like Howdy Doody to this kid.
2: <laughs> That's what it says on the marquee: Colbert Idiot Theater. Yeah, I, I, yeah I said, don't like, hold back. <laughs> I mean,
0: what a I mean, there's a guy that just rode. Trump to death. I mean, write your own material, man.
2: Yeah, enough already.
0: I hate that stuff. What's he
2: gonna do now? Retire?
0: Yeah, long, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: He's still talking about it
2: <laughs>
0: Next.
1: All right. Next is from John. Hi, Johnny. My grandfather started the Teamsters in Connecticut in 1933, local 443. And as a result, we were in Vegas a lot, and his contact there was Jackie Leonard. I was curious if you knew him.
0: We all knew Jackie Leonard he was a great guy. His and Jackie Leonard was in his contact there. Your grandfather was being nice to you. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I can't tell you the teamster boss was. Well, I could tell you some of them. I mean, Alan Dorfman got killed. there. Uh, no, he got killed in Chicago. The Teamster guy got killed at McCarran Airport, <laughs> and they found him in his own trunk at the airport. That's where they met. I'm a gentleman that could say I borrowed $32 million from the Teamsters on a napkin in 1979. So I owe
2: you on a napkin.
0: I owe you on a napkin, $32 million.
2: Right. Um, so, you know, This is an interesting show. Uh, <laughs> you, you're not fascinated. All right. Well, that's when next I was building the Renaissance
0: from... Hotel. <laughs>
1: Can't
2: make this shit
1: All up. Right. Are we ready for the next one?
0: I mean, right. shock me.
1: All right. Next is from Stephen. Hi, Gianni. With COVID nineteen happening, barber shops are closed in Toronto, and I'm beginning to grow out my hair. I've seen a lot of your interviews on YouTube and really like the way you style yours. Just wondering what products you use to style it. Sorry for the non mob related question. Hope you can
2: answer it. Thanks. That's a question we didn't expect.
0: Now, uh, no, but, but <laughs> how could I forget what I put in my hair every day all my life? I use VO5 <laughs> in the a little tube. I think so. No, no, it's, I see it everywhere yet. Yeah, still? Yeah. My kids say. How do you buy that stuff? Is it going any any, and sure enough, going to any store. They even have shampoo now. Before, there was just a tube. They had a gray one and a, a beige one. And when I was younger, I used to use the beige one. And then I went to gray because then I realized it didn't mean anything. It was cheaper. That's all I use. A little gray, wash my hair. Only wash your hair twice a week. Don't, don't be stupid. People wash their hair every time they're in the shower. You get rid of all the oil. Yeah, you know,
2: I, I, I used to use I used to use V O five when I was in high school in, in the sixties. You had those big pompadours. Oh yeah, you put V O five in there. I had a pompadour higher than Abe Lincoln's hat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, and, yeah, it, it would it, stay. You could do anything with V O five. You could build a tank with V O five.
0: That's funny. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right.
1: Next is from Tim. Tim says, I'm totally addicted to your podcast. It's getting me through my daily walk whilst on lockdown in Newcastle, UK.
0: I've got my son
1: into these also, as I only came across by accident, as one of my all time favorite movies is The Godfather. However, I'm only on to episode five. A question for Gianni. Did you ever meet Walt Disney? Wow. Yeah, he's working his way. Did you ever meet Walt Disney as he had something with the mob, loving the shows and just bought the book?
0: I, I met Walt Disney not for any other reason than just I wanted to meet him. And I had so many kids. And then when he opened the first Disneyland, I arranged to have a tour by his executives and all that. I mean, the guy's a genius. I, I, that's the first I've heard that he was mobbed up. Must have been really early on. I don't on. think he had to be. Why? Well, might be in California. I don't
2: think he had to be. No. I mean, he
0: was, oh, oh, I thought you said he, he had to be.
2: Yeah, he was an entity unto himself. I know.
0: Well, maybe Mickey Cohen got him to meet him.
2: (laughs) Maybe protection.
0: Yeah. That's about it. Maybe it. All right. What's next?
1: All right. Next is from Joseph. Patrick, my father served in Vietnam, so I especially admire those who fought in that war. What would, if any, be your best takeaway from serving in Vietnam?
2: Wow. Boy, that's, uh, it, see, this is one of the reasons why we, sh- we should have these questions ahead of time. Uh, I volunteered to Vietnam. Uh, uh, insanity runs in my family. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I volunteered to go uh, because basically I, I I was 18 years old. I wanted to blow shit up. That was my reason to go. I mean, I wasn't patriotic. I didn't care. I wanted the excitement. But my, my best uh, takeaway, I'm, 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 I'm conflicted. Uh, It was probably the best thing that ever happened to me as far as uh, maturing as a man, (laughs) and I survived. That was a good thing.
0: uh, Yeah, thank God. First thing that ever happened
2: to me, too, because I still think about it every day, but it made me the person that I am. Uh, I don't think I'd be as disciplined and as thankful that I'm here when a lot of my friends aren't, and I came back with a great tan. There you go. Always got to end it off with a joke. Thank
0: thank you for your service, sir. You're
2: welcome. Yes, absolutely. Don't ask me to do it again, by the way.
0: No.
1: (laughs) All right, next is from Andrew. Andrew says, for everyone, is there anything in your life that you regret doing or something you neglected to do thus far and would like to?
0: Hmm. Who's going to take that Well, let the ladies go first. Let's hear this one.
1: Ladies first. That's and tough that for doing. me, though, because I feel like it's only just starting.
0: Well, your life hasn't so, just started, thank I God.
2: Can't, you can't regret anything yet. Yeah. Yeah, not quite. Except so you maybe, guys, go ahead. Except maybe doing this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did I get myself into? What am I crazy?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for me, it was not going to law school. I, I, I did well on my LSATs, which was the general admission for every law school. I did well. I was accepted to St. John's uh university law school with my partner bob crest uh at the last minute i decided i didn't want to go for the most stupidest of reasons i hate paperwork i mean i just hate it i i don't like sending my clients bills they love it but uh, i just don't like paper and i mean i was like 24 years old wow not thinking correctly anyway my partner went on to be uh, an attorney with offices in two states. I now we keep in touch all the time. Oh yeah, I,
0: I met was. that guy. It was that the yeah. signing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Bobby yeah. Yeah. Uh, is quite a guy, and he did the right thing. And that's the one thing that I regret is not going to law school. What about you? Me? Yeah, um, what do you regret?
0: I regret I didn't take out two guys I should have.
2: <laughs> Oh, there we go. Keeping, keeping it with the theme of the show.
0: <laughs> All right, moving on. That's funny.
1: All right, next one. Next one is from Estrelita Gianni, I just finished reading Kitty Kelly's book on Sinatra. She documents numerous incidents where he was outwardly mean and cruel. Did you ever see anything like this?
0: Well, it happens that we're doing a lot of research, and Pat just read that book, too. And, and I, we, well, Pat's more amazed than I am because I saw his outburst and he basically was bipolar and a spoiled kid when, you know, he got drunk. He thought he was six foot four and he ruled the world. And, yeah, I
2: don't think it was so much when he got drunk and, I, you know, reading this mammoth book of 700 pages of very well-researched material, he was... I believe you're correct that he was uh, bipolar because he could be the kindest person you'd ever want to meet. And at the snap of a finger, he could be the cruelest. Yep. I mean, he would, uh, for the slightest real or imagined slight, he cut out his godfather life for 30 years. Because when he was a teenager, his godfather who ran uh, a, a printing place that supplied uh, print for the local newspapers, wouldn't give him the job he wanted because he said, well, you're not qualified for it. So, you know, finish school for that. He didn't talk to him for 30 years.
0: He should have thanked him. Look who it went on to be, a big star. Exactly. He would have been a printer.
2: <laughs> well, at the end of his life, you know, we all sort of mellow with age, and he realized he did the wrong thing. But he was famous for that. Oh, I know. You did something that you didn't even know you did wrong. But in his eyes... You insulted him, ignored him, or said something he didn't like, you were were gone.
0: Well, he he didn't talk to me for two years because he wanted me not to do The Godfather. As I sit here now, imagine if I took his advice.
2: (laughs) Thank goodness you didn't.
0: No kidding. (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: It would be the guy on the East Side's podcast.
0: There we go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. That's all I have for tonight.
0: Well, that's great. We ended on a good one. Another great show. We hope you enjoy them. Keep telling your friends about it. Keep writing reviews, because Megan told us they're very important, and I'm starting to believe her. So, uh, And, we're, <laughs> and we're, we're, we're on a lot of different mediums now, too, I'm, I'm seeing, right? We're on Apple yeah. now, too.
1: I'm sorry? We're on Apple
0: or something. I saw. We've
1: always been on Apple.
0: Oh, yeah. I haven't. I don't even Apple, know.
1: Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Luminary. Well, see, I don't tune in. Most, That's most why. Platforms. You know. You've <laughs> already heard it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you all. And now, you know, we're in the last few weeks going into our third season. You could see us also if you'd like, if it's not too much of a shock. Yeah. How, how do we, how do, we do that?
1: We're in third season by now. How, how do we do
0: that, though? How do they, how do they?
1: Um, I think it's either gonna be Vimeo or YouTube. Whatever yeah. our tech producer Mike
0: Oh yeah, I think it was YouTube you mentioned.
1: Thank goodness for him.
0: Oh yes. great. We'll see you next week. Stay safe, wear a mask, and God bless you all. Good night, Pat. Good night, Mike. <laughs> if you're feeling sad and lonely there's a service i could render i'm the one who loves you only i could be so warm so tender call me don't be afraid you can call me maybe it's late but just call me tell me and i'll be around.
3: thank you for time tuning time in to the hollywood godfather podcast godfather. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciorelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciorelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.
0: to Weinstein's. I love being